Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Christian. Great to have you on the show, Christian. Thank you very much for making time for us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so could you introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Sure. So my name is Kristen Orphan, and I am, I suppose the most important thing to share about me is that I am a foster adoptive parent. I have four kids, my husband and I together, and this week we're going to celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary. Um, I also, well, thank you very much. Um, so we have now four grown children, and also we have the privilege of being the legal guardians of a developmentally disabled adult who has just turned 40 years old. He lives in semi-independent living now, but that was very much a part of our story is having him in our home for about four years. Um, all of those experiences led me to want to support families like ours, foster, adoptive, kinship families. And even a few years ago uh, led me to getting my master's in mental health and wellness with an emphasis on family dynamics. I started an organization in 2008 called Finally Home, meant to serve, equip, educate, and encourage families like ours. Great. Wow. What? Uh, yeah. Um, so, so, so this is, this is your, this is your passion from your personal life has just, uh, uh, powered you down this this way to help other people uh, since 2008. Wow. So we are in for a treat here today. Um, so when we were talking about um, the podcast, what one of the one of the things that you were uh, one of the models that you wanted to base the conversation around is what you call the the family wellness house. And um, that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna explore today. So uh, we're gonna be talking about a few different things, listeners, um, and uh, gonna put a create a, a graphic. Christine's uh, got a graphic that will be in the show notes. So if you are listening to this at home and you want to have a look, check check out that graphic. Um, that will give you the kind of the big picture. Um, so the family wellness house. Why did you come up with this particular way of um, setting out what you've learned and what you other want other people to learn. Yes. So actually this house was created by family wellness associates, uh, which began in the 1980s. Uh, this organization that now we are in a collaborative partnership with finally home and family wellness, they caught my eye all of those years ago when I really wanted to encourage families like ours I wanted to provide hope and encouragement, and I knew that that was going to have to come in the package of really good research-based information. And that's when we began partnering all of those years ago with this organization called Family Wellness, who created this house analogy and this visual, as you've said, to show the building blocks or characteristics, skills, and patterns that have tended to show up in healthy, resilient families. And I happen to love this visual because like houses, families are a place that provide protection, warmth, um, provision, hopefully laughter. Um, this is where we learn. Um, it provides a solid foundation for what we hope to be a healthy future. There are just so many wonderful things you could go on and on about this analogy of a house. And the reason I like to use the word building a healthy house is that family is also active. It's dynamic. And there is an, a constant effort um, and input and output that comes in a family. I love the idea. When you do see the visual, you'll see these characteristics that I'll talk about some of them today set up in blocks. It's like, these are the healthy blocks that research over all of these years has shown shows up. So when a, a family seems to be thriving, is doing well, um, or when there's some cracks, you can often point to these things and say, okay, well, here's some opportunities to grow and to learn and provide some stability 
for families. And so that's why I, I could go on and on about a house. And after having raised my kids, built a family and continue to grow in this thing called family, I it, it just remains true to me to think of it this way. So um, what's the, what's the, you, you, you're talking about um, building, you're talking about foundations, you're talking about hope. What, what do you see as the, um, as, as the, which, 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 which one of the building blocks would you like to explore first? Sure. So let me just tell you what all of those main blocks are. And then I would actually like to talk about this idea of individuals who make up families and the how families produce healthy individuals. So what we always say, again, is that it's the healthy, when we pay attention to us as healthy individuals, we tend to have a healthier team or family. When we're really operating out of a healthy family dynamic, we have a better chance of producing healthy members, meaning launching healthy adults into the world. So let me, that's what I really wanna spend time on today, but let me just tell you the high level of what those building blocks are, what research says shows up in families. One thing is that adults are in charge and what in charge means is they lead, they care for, they nurture the family, they're responsible. At least one adult in the family is willing to take responsibility, set the course for the family. Uh, it is certainly not about a dictatorship or anything like that to define the term leadership. It's more about servant leadership, care, setting the course for the values of the family, setting the rules and being willing to follow through on those rules. That's healthy families. If we look at the opposite of that and what does occur a lot in one of the reasons why kids end up in foster care is that parents in families are struggling. They're struggling to care for the kids. They're struggling to be in charge because of the pain and the, the hardship that they're going on in their own life. Maybe it's drug abuse or use or um, whatever it is, incarceration, things like that. If you consider the opposite of adults being in charge, it gives you a little bit of a picture of why research says that in a healthy house, adults are in charge. Kids don't have to be in charge. They're not trying to take care of themselves or even being what that technical term of parentified, um, that's not what is best for kids. So adults are in charge. Another healthy block in our family is that there's room to be close and apart. That means that everyone is seen as an individual having unique characteristics and traits and special things about them. And they're giving an, given an opportunity to explore those things, whether it comes in the form of hobbies or interests, um, time away, it, they're, they're able to have some healthy space. And then they're also seen as part of the connected team. So room to be close together in a connected team and relationship and room to stand on your own two feet. So the first two building blocks are adults are in charge and room to be close and apart. Then we move down into the next block of expect change. Um, what research shows is that healthy individuals and families understand that change is a part of life. When we resist change, when we try to continue to do the same thing and what we need to do is change some of our habits, some of our processes, that's when trouble tends to occur. So healthy families expect change. And then the very foundation of all healthy individuals and healthy families are these three foundational skills that have to do with communication. Speak up, listen, and cooperate. It's the back and forth loop circle, if you want to think of that as what help, what it takes to really have healthy communication. And we know that families and individuals and work teams, everybody does, does better when they have a voice, they speak up, when they have skills to listen and honor others and to really hear what they have to say. And then they have skills to work on cooperation, that negotiation of the back and the forth. So those three skills, that's our healthy house. Yeah. So are you are you saying this is like a, a little model for us to consider 
where we where we uh, perhaps could Im- improve or where we may be a little bit off is that is is that what you're kind of proposing to us here that's a great way of putting it i think that it gives an opportunity for two things it gives an opportunity to look at what we're doing really well and to say you know what we do that pretty well and we're going to we're going to continue to give attention to that because we're pretty great at adults being in charge we we take responsibility you know we're good at recognizing people as individuals and a part of the team and also simon what you said it gives us an opportunity to say I know that something's not quite right. We're not operating well. We're we're falling into some pitfalls and we're struggling. We have extra stress going on. And this house gives us an opportunity to go back and say, what, what could be the reason for it? And what I've loved about it over the years is rather than it being this subjective feeling of things aren't quite right or we have a healthy family or we have a dysfunctional family or whatever labels we might put on ourselves or others, this is actually a practical way to say what actions can I take in my life and in my family life to start uh, bolstering or pouring back into a foundation. One of the reasons that I like to say building a healthy family is it will always change. There will always be efforts that are needed to adjust and tweak and it's okay and it's life. And oftentimes if we take the house analogy a little further, what I say to families like ours that are a little more complicated, perhaps we need scaffolding. Many, many times we need scaffolding around our house, which comes in the form of outside help. And that's really great too, because it's an incredible value to teach our kids that the most courageous thing to do often is to be willing to say, I need help. And then to teach them how to go about finding good, healthy supports. Okay. Um, The other thing that popped into my head is that, you know, obviously this is uh, um, like a, almost like a (laughs) self-diagnostic tool, but it also struck me that it would be a useful tool for actually having a discussion so that depending on the age, you know, depending on the age of your kids, then you could actually use that as a, as a way to, it's like a, it's like a neutral starting point, isn't it? It's like a, it's something to talk around, um, uh, it, it, you know, in the speak up bit. So Yes, absolutely. One of the things we teach families is how to have a family meeting. And we believe from a very young age, as long as you do take into account attention span and how to make family meetings fun, but make family meetings a part of your DNA. Those conversations about what is going well in our family, we often say that's a great place to start. What do we do? And we ask that of families, especially when we're working with families with the children present, we love to have those conversations. What does your family do really well? What are some really fun things, some good things? Oh, you know, we're pretty great at problem solving or we, we love, what are the things your family loves to do together? Remember that room to be close and apart. So room to be close is part of what you're expressing during a family meeting is that let's talk about this team. Let's talk about what's going well in this team. And absolutely from day one, being able to talk about it in terms of what, what are we doing well and what are some areas that we can work on? And you are 100% right. It's also the value of speak up, everybody getting a voice and, and then everyone having practice listening saying, okay, and we teach reflective listening so that people really feel like their message is being heard clearly. And we want to make sure that everyone feels heard. Everyone has a voice to speak up in family meeting context is a really wonderful place to do that, to practice that in your family life. Okay. So me and my missus, me and my missus haven't got any, uh, any kids. We've got two Labradors which isn't particularly um, unusual, but we have two pigs, which does make it slightly unusual. <laughs> I think, you know, they just live in the field by the house. Um, so we're, we're st- for, for me here, we kind of, we're into that, we're into this uh, parenting space where I have, 
no, uh, um, I can only throw in theoretical ideas, really. I don't have any expertise. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to come at, come at it from an uninformed um, perspective. So how else, you know, uh, what do you see as the best ways that families can use this this um, this model that your partner's created? Sure. So the one thing we say about parents, you brought up parenting, is that they have two jobs, and that's to be a leader and a model. And when we talk about leader, we're talking about this idea of adults are in charge. And so your leadership is setting the tone and saying, what are our family values? What are the rules that support those values? Uh, setting the course. The model job is being an example, living out those values that you say are your family values that you say are the individual values, uh, giving a good example of self-care, honoring yourself um, as an individual and as a mom or a dad, um, saying, I'm, I'm an important individual for who I am. Here's what I like to do. Here's what I want to learn. Here are some personal goals I have. And also, this is my role in the family. And so modeling that parents are always doing both jobs, leading and modeling, leading out and saying, yep, I'm going to be in charge. I will make the final decision. I will hear what you have to say and, and I will make a healthy, informed decision. I will set the rules, et cetera, and then modeling. And so that is the best way to talk about these values and these structures and the things we want to be working on in our family and then to actually live them out with integrity in front of your kids. That's the most powerful thing a parent can do. So uh, on a micro level, the thing that pops into my head is this, that is that the, the parent is leading the discussion around this, uh, they're, they're leading the discussion around the, the, the house model. Um, and, you know, leaders ask, Leaders ask questions. Leaders engage, and and uh, and we, when we're having that discussion, we kind of we want to model the behaviour, uh, the model our communicate open communication style, and uh, our tone of voice, our language, or whatever, whilst we're having this discussion, so that then um, the the kids are doing the same thing, but. That's just me making this up on the hoof. So, you know what? What uh, we've we've got some. I guess we're trying to go from very big ideas, micro, macro ideas, and very like little practical steps here. So, what what other um, from your experience as a mum? What else could you bring to, to bear rather than my theoretical stuff that I'm just about making up? Sure. Well, that's really insightful. First of all, practically speaking, because you brought about just bringing it down to detail, if you were to use the house as just a discussion, and I would say after raising up our kids that we've gone around and around this in a good way, all throughout, always looking up again, sometimes it's, wow, you know, that's going really well. And celebrating our family does a good job giving everybody a voice. So if you think about that value of speaking up and saying, you know, we're, we're proud of that. Um, we always say, give attention to what you want to grow. So celebrating the things your family is doing well is going to keep putting oxygen into that. And you're going to continue to grow on that. Then, as I said before, it's also an opportunity to say, okay, guys, we're having a family meeting. We have this problem we're facing together. Um, what do you think the root of it is? So in family meetings, yes, you can get down to the detail. You can decide, are we here to talk about, teach about a value? So we're going to take one block. We're going to take one principle and we're going to really talk about what does this look like in our family? What do you think, kids, this looks like? And, and pre being prepared with some examples. And you may be having a meeting to address something that's not working or a problem that needs to be solved. You may be having a meeting to make a plan for a family vacation or, hey, guys, we're going into a really busy season. 
we need to talk about uh, and get some ideas about how we're going to manage our schedule. We've got a couple of sports active, you know, people in different sports, and you can use these meetings for a lot of those things. And, and as the person in charge, you do uh, one way of saying it is you might be setting the agenda to say, this is what we're going to do. Uh, any one of those particular activities, problem solving, addressing something that's working really well, making a plan, a proactive plan. It can be for any of those purposes. And as the leader, you decide the focus. And as you said, you model speaking up, you model reflective listening, and then you give people an opportunity to be a part of solutions and negotiation. There's multiple things happening here when we're doing this with our kids, when we're paying attention to how we're building this healthy family, when we're giving words to it, we are preparing our kids to build their own healthy house, no matter what it looks like. If it looks like two Labradors and two pigs, fantastic. Um, whatever that family looks like, because of course, families come in all shapes and sizes. Our kids will determine what kind of family, um, and they will be responsible for at least leading themselves and quite possibly being a part of a healthy work team. What their family makeup is will be what they determine. We are preparing them to become leaders. So in these family meetings, these family discussions that are on purpose for a purpose, um, we are helping them to understand why the family does what they do. So they have an opportunity to decide why their family will do what their family does. And what we say to families is that when you are clear about these things, you have a better chance of passing those values on to your kids. They will have a more like a higher likelihood of those values becoming something that they take into their own hearts, lives, and minds. So here's the thing too, I would like to say, Simon, is that these, convers these intentional conversations really became a part of my life when we became foster adoptive kinship parents to young people of different ages when they came into our home who had experienced trauma, grief, loss. It required that I moved, that we, my husband and I moved from kind of an intuitive idea of building a healthy family to a more on purpose. Let's decide exactly what we're doing and why we're doing. Certainly not perfectly. It required a much more intentional effort that I think everyone benefited from. We had to, because we had some really significant needs in our family life. We had to get really serious about these things. Whereas there are some families that my more traditional families may not feel quite the requirement or the pressure. And yet I think it's a gift that we had that pressure because now I believe that everyone, all the different needs benefited from us actually paying attention to why we were doing what we were doing, what we wanted to do better and what we could really celebrate that, Hey, we're, we're naturally pretty good at this. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's interesting because I was going to ask the question about um, what if what what if this seems daunting? Um, you know, what what if this seems daunting? Is there anything that that we can kind of simplify it or break it down? Is there um, is there a light model? You know, so you know, do, do we do we start with a room rather than oh, the whole yes. house? Do you see what I mean? Yes, um, absolutely. If, if people are feeling that this is a bit overwhelming, is there a kind of uh, an entrance? Well, yeah. Can we find? Is there an entrance hall? Is there an entrance hall that's going to leave us sure. to 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 a bigger exploration? But like baby steps, really. Absolutely. So before I answer that question specifically, uh, where's the front door? <laughs> um, I will say that one of the things we've said over and over um, throughout this whole journey with families, also in the midst of working with thousands of families over the years and raising up my own family, um, having to make changes and growth, um, we always say that if there is one thing you, 
pick one thing you can do today. Just one thing that you can do that is going to breathe some life into your family situation because family can be overwhelming. Um, I've often said it's a beautiful mess and we are never perfect and it will never be perfect. It's always, that's why I like building. Um, I think it's a lifelong journey. And once you kind of settle into that and accept the beauty of it, then I think you'll be more at peace about it. There's no perfect family, no perfect parent. So first of all, to answer your, this is daunting. Absolutely. Um, we, we are building and living and learning and changing and growing all of those wonderful things and often asking for forgiveness all along the way. The best thing about family life and the gift we can give to one another is grace. So the front door is taking responsibility for yourself. So let's just go to the adults. Taking responsibility for yourself as an individual is the front door. It is the most important thing to say that I cannot rely on other people to one, complete me or make me better or make me happy or fix me. I have to take responsibility for my own personal, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. Relationship is a gift. And of course, we support one another. We, we give love to one another. And we have to, as individuals, first and foremost, take responsibility for our own self-worth, our own identity, our own sense of self. You can say self-esteem. You can call it whatever term you want to say. I have to be responsible for myself. And if I am unhappy, if I want something for my life, if I need healing in my life, I have to say, what do I need to do to address that? So whether you're talking about a friendship between adults, couple uh, relationship between adults, or a, um, an employment relationship, I have to take responsibility for me. I have to speak up for what I need. I have to be willing to listen to the other people in my life and learn how to cooperate and negotiate. So the very first, maybe even before you open the door to family life, um, you have to pay attention and say, if I'm always leaning on other people, if I'm always expecting other people's behavior to change, to make me happy, to again, fix me, then I need to stop and look at myself and say, what do I need to do? What is it that's going on? What do I want for my life? So a healthy individual has a strong sense of self. So we've used the visual often of two legs. If you, if you consider standing on two, your two legs as kind of the most balanced position, we say one leg is be somebody. Like who is Simon as an individual? What does he like to do? How did he grow up? What makes him unique? Um, what does he want to do? Learn, change, grow. What do you like to do as an individual? Um, you know, by yourself, like what makes you special and unique? Having a strong sense of self is that very strong leg. The second leg is okay. And we are social beings. So now I've got to address my ability to connect in healthy relationships. So what do I offer to, to other relationships? Um, how do I communicate my needs in other relationships? How do I, what do I love to do with other people in my life? What kind of teammate am I at work? When we are addressing those two strong legs of be somebody and belong, that's the front door. Because a healthy individual plus a healthy individual makes a one strong relationship. We can't expect our relationships to be healthy if they're not made up of healthy individuals. So that's number one for moms and dads, husbands, wives, coworkers, friends. What does what do those two legs look like? And and is there one that you're relying on more than another? Because that's pretty typical. Um, I'm more comfortable being in relationships than I am being by myself. 
I'm more comfortable being by myself and addressing my own than I am connecting with one another. Uh, again, research shows we've got these two jobs to balance out who we are. So that's step number one. Uh, there's a lot there. Um, to me, that I, I, I listened to uh, an emotional intelligence book on um, on an Audible about uh, seven seven eight years ago, and um, that what you said there kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Um, so uh, that would be might be a place to start. Um, if and the, I, you know, I love I love audio books and podcasts uh, because it allows me to, you know, learn whilst I'm driving, mm -hmm. uh, learn whilst I'm walking the dock. Because you know, who's got time to read stuff? Um, especially if you're a, a mom or a dad, you know, the, the, the time stuff is pretty pretty short. So. Um, are there any resources that you can recommend uh, to, because again, I have to speak for myself here, you're going into all this stuff and I'm thinking, yes, 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 yes. But I'm, I was slightly overwhelmed about how I would, you know, uh, <laughs> the first step on the front door, you know, um, so. <laughs> Good. Yes. That's how my brain goes. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So if you go back to that one thing, um, and as far as research or I'm sorry, resources, I can follow up with some of those things. I mean, I love the boundaries series. I think that, um, boundaries and there are multiple boundaries books now, um, you know, by Henry cloud and, and Townsend. And um, I think those are really helpful to be reminded that we have to be individuals um, and we've got to set boundaries and such. Um, and then I'll give some further thought. So going back to just continuing to, to break it down, when we're talking to families about these, this two, uh, these two jobs of a healthy individual, and that's to be somebody and belong, First, having a strong sense of self and then belonging. Go, go back to, again, just the detail. Let's start with having a strong sense of self. It can be thought of simply this. What is one thing I'm good at? So, Simon, I'm, I'm just going to, if it's okay, interact with you in that way with a really practical first step, part of having a strong sense of self. So, Simon, what's one thing you're good at? I think I'm fairly empathetic. So you're empathetic. What's one thing you really enjoy doing by yourself? Um, walking the dog. Walking the dog. So you are empathetic. You enjoy walking the dog. Is there one thing that you would say, you know, in the next year, I would really like to fill in the blank, you know, a personal goal. Um, well, my personal goal is, is, is all about my, my impact on the, in the world, in the world of adoption and fostering. And what's one thing, because I'm, I, you want to have a positive impact, uh, on, in this world of foster and adoption. So what would one in one thing be that would indicate that you were having a positive. So one practical thing that would say, you know, I can't, this is evidence that I'm having a positive impact. Um, well, I like to think I am already with the, with the, um, with the podcast, for example. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd like to have more listeners, you know, I like, more downloads and um, be getting more feedback from people and about what it is that they want from the podcast and how it needs to improve. You want the podcast to have more listeners and also for you to get feedback so that you can continue to grow because this is the vehicle right now that is for you the most important in spreading the word. And also doing like we're doing today, 
just bringing in other people and resources. Yeah. Okay. So Simon, that right there, knowing what you're good at, being able to articulate it, which as you probably know, and your listeners as well, often when I ask that, there's a pause because it's hard sometimes for people to say out loud what they think they're good at. Now, if I were to ask people, what do you want to improve on? I mean, that would just be like, oh, I'm terrible at this and I do this and I do that. But having a strong sense of self is being able to articulate what you just did. Um, That really is the basics of it. You said what you're good at. You said what you like to do. And you also said, here's a goal. I'm working towards this. This is important to me. This is my calling, so to speak. That's how you articulated and shared, recognized, honored who you are and your sense of self. That's it. Now, as you can imagine why this is step one, kind of stepping into the door, so important not just for your own self-esteem, and it's hugely important for your health, your ability to be a healthy partner to your wife, for those who are parents, um, taking care of themselves. You and I previously had a conversation about self-care. This is an aspect of self-care. It's self-honoring, and we don't often take time to do it, and yet we're telling our kids we want them to do it. We're telling the people we love, we want them to do it. And, and yet we have a hard time saying, this is what I'm good at. I'm important enough to take time to go on a walk or do the things I enjoy. That's basically it. That's the, the, that's as complicated as it gets. Um, the only thing I would add is if there were things about your, yourself or, or woundedness or things that you were struggling with. Another part of having a strong sense of self is saying, I'm worth getting help. I'm worth dealing with this thing, this physical thing, this emotional thing. I I need to address this. This is a Simon thing. And in order for me to be be strong on that one leg of be somebody, then I'm important and I need to take care of myself and, and I need to address that. So that's having a strong sense of self. And that's that one leg. Yeah. So I, I guess what you were talking about just then was the scaffolding around the house and the uh, where you're looking for support if you're um, struggling, as you say. Yeah, if any any of these building blocks, any of these both individual or family issues, it's not really if we need help. I, I mean, in my experience, it's just when. Whenever you need help, you ask for help, you find what you need um, through healthy supports. Um, and when you get to be my age and you've raised up kids and done things, you, you, you start to learn to ask for help sooner rather than later. Um, I have tried to instill the value in my kids that take a break before you're completely strung out, ask for help before you're like hanging off the cliff. Like when you still have a little bit of margin left, that's okay. That's when it's time to go. I'm getting towards the edge here on whatever the issue is. Um, And so I would just say that to the listeners as well. Certainly in my life, it's not if I'm going to need help, but when. Yeah. So um, the other thing that as you... uh, as you were expressing that, I was thinking that, you, that when you did the um, the question, the coaching me, the little mini coaching session of me, is that um, that would be something that you could do with a with uh, your kids, couldn't it, or your wife, yes. or your husband? Yes, and that's part of the parents as leaders and models, and part of what you had asked was where's the front door and the entryway. As parents, and listen, we are not doing this perfectly, but one of my favorite things to do when people show up and they want to learn how to be a better parent, they want their family fixed. They want, it's like, help me fix what's going on. 
And when I talk to them about them, as you can imagine in families that are feeling pretty stretched and strung out and overwhelmed, they want to talk, they're a little surprised when I talk about them, you as an individual, you're important. Um, you, what you care about matters, what you like to do, what you're good at, what, what your best friend in middle school said about you, what that was her favorite thing that those things are important. And to see the light bulbs come on, um, in parents and to start to feel, and I've seen a lot of tears. I've seen a lot of like at first confusion, why are we talking about me? So this idea back to what you're saying, you asked the question about, yes, you can do this with your kids. You do this with your kids and you pay attention to do it for yourself because it's the modeling part. You're modeling this thing. And guess what? They will pick up on if you are saying, you know, you're worth it, what you want to do, your hobbies, your sports activities, your you want to learn this new instrument, like all of that's so important. And then you're not taking care of yourself. At, and valuing yourself, there's just a disingenuous about that. Um, and we want to make sure that we're modeling. Hey, you're important. I'm important. Um, because those lessons really matter to kids over time. Yeah. The, um, the other thing that popped into my head about five minutes ago, and I scribbled it down, um, was another, uh, you know, because with we, we are really talking, I guess, about, um, uh, co- you know, whether we are um, coaching ourselves or whether we are um, we're coaching our kids. We're talking about a co- like a coaching approach here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, would that be fair to say? I'm... We coaching actually is one of our core values. So I'm absolutely thrilled you picked up on that. Uh, even the term coaching, because here's the thing we believe when we're working with families and we're working with our kids. Um, and yes, I would say parents are coaches and then I get to step back and parent. So I've coached my kids all along the way. Um, and so these skills have been really helpful, especially as they get older. We just have some of the most amazing conversations I've said, you know, so if you go back to that one value, one building block that I talked about speaking up, one of the aspects of speaking up in a healthy way is to say what you want rather than what you don't want. So let me just give a really quick example. You know, you might say to your, your child, you know, don't leave your clothes on the floor, whereas you're going to be a lot more effective and efficient in your words. If you say, put your clothes in the hamper, you know, don't leave your clothes on the floor leaves. Should I put them on the bed? Should I put them up on top of the dresser? You know, so basically give a really targeted, but over the years, I've found that to be so helpful, even with my kids when they've said, you know, I don't want well, just to use something simple, I don't want hamburgers for dinner. Well, what do you want? You know, that's going to be a lot more helpful if you tell me what you do want. So getting to even coaching our kids, you know, say what you want when you're speaking up, say what you want, focus on the thing that you actually want, because you're going to have a much better chance at getting it. So I've coached my kids, um, all over the years, I've had the privilege of coaching parents and what we know is that coaching is so much more effective than lecturing because it gives people an opportunity to practice. And that's another core value that we have at Finally Home and Family Wellness is that we want everyone to have an opportunity to apply the principle. It's only as as effective as if you can actually say, this is relevant to my own home. So in our teaching sessions, we're constantly coaching and giving people an opportunity to do just what you did which was to say, how does this apply in my own life? That's when light bulbs come on. And that's when I get actual practice, because if you think, oh man, what she's saying is brilliant or wow, research-based or that's, I never thought of that. And that sounds so intelligent. It's like, who cares if it doesn't actually apply to your life? You also said, Oh, that sounds familiar to this emotional intelligence book that I heard all of these years ago. Well, that's because this is nothing new. This is what research says that the family house is like 
This is just trying to put it what we say in blue collar language, what we know is true. It should be consistent to other things that you've heard. It should have continuity and make sense because this is kind of what all of social science um, and psychoeducational principles are pointing back to. So there should be a, that's familiar, not a, oh, I've never heard that before. Yeah. I, I used the I used the emotional intelligence um, thing as I think I used that as a as a bridge to asking you the question about resource. Um, so if I can do that again with the with the coaching, uh, well, yeah, let's. I, I think you you made a. I was going to ask you. Sorry, I was trying to think of you, trying to think of how to ask you to explain coaching, you know, um, because people say, oh, well, you know, what what is it? I mean, what is it she's talking about? What, you know, and and you gave that, you gave the perfect, for me, you gave a perfect, uh, uh, before I asked the question, you gave me a, per, you, you gave me a perfect way simple way to explain what coaching is because you gave me the opposite you said coaching or lecturing mm -hmm. yeah so you know like if we're if we're thinking well how i'm going to coach my how am i going to coach my kid well just lecture them less do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well um, we are no lecturing does not work and we can look at all kinds of research on that we our kids go uh, silent, but if you can engage people, kids, adults with, that you're teaching or working with, if you engage your brain um, in thinking, and that's really what it is, you're processing through, even as you're listening to me, Simon, you're, you're processing what I'm saying and it becomes relevant when we talk about your life and your dogs and your things you like and, and the goal that you have that inspires you to have more listeners. You start thinking of this in your life and that's what I want people to think of it, think of your life, think of yourself, think of your family. Um, and when we're coaching, so I'll give another example. Let's say I'm doing a parenting class and parents are there because they want to learn how to make, well, basically they really want to learn how to get their kids to follow rules. We go all the way to the back and we start, or to the to very front and we start on the rules and we, we start asking people. So rather than me giving you an hour lecture on how to make effective rules, and consequences, I'm going to start by asking you, you know, what's a family value? Um, and so I'm going to ask you, Simon, what's a value in the family you grew up in? If you look at your family of origin and you just said this, this was a value of ours, what would one thing be that you, you would say? Uh, honesty. Oh, excellent. Honesty. That's a perfect value. And can you think of a rule that you had that was around that value? Um, well, the obvious one was don't lie. Um, <laughs> and said in the positive would be yeah. instead of lying, yeah. what would your parents be asking uh, you? To well, do? yeah, it, 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 I, I'm so I'm not saying anything because I'm 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 only we're talking about honesty. Tell the truth. I mean, it, it's not yeah. a very it's it's not a big <laughs> it's it, it's a it, it's not a big step, is it? From um, honesty to tell the truth i was i was trying to be perhaps a little bit more clever than that <laughs> it wasn't a very sure. well honesty is a general one it is a value we always tell parents um that rules need to be based in in values but what but what you did was actually the perfect example oftentimes parents say well don't lie you know so we know we do better when we state things in the positive tell the truth and then what we would probably go on to Simon with parents um, would be to say, you know, what is the, the consequence that goes, you know, tell the truth, uh, you know, when you tell the truth, then, and then we say, you know, what's the positive consequence? When you lie, then this is what happens. And so that's how we just begin to build. But it always starts with people saying, what are our values? So that I'm not telling you what your values should be. Um, what are the rules? And then what, you know, and then we let people just start thinking because then, you know, thinking of them showing up at a class, how do I get my kids to follow rules? 
Well, here's the, the big answer, but they discover it themselves. Well, the best rules are based in values. The best rules are, are set in the positive. But instead of me giving you all of these examples, I'm coaching you to start with your family values, to discover what rules you may have that are arbitrary or they're in the negative and they're not clear or specific enough. But I'm all along helping you discover, or I'm sorry, articulate your value, state the rule in the positive, be specific, come up with a consequence you would be willing to enforce. That's coaching. That's coaching versus lecturing because I am continually allowing the participants to give all of the content for how to actually walk out these principles. And when it comes to parents coaching kids, it's kind of the same thing. A kid comes home super frustrated about a class and you start to lead them in a coaching of, you know, I'm so sick of this class. I hate it when my professor does this or that. What do you want your professor to do? Well, I'd like them to listen to me. And you begin to start to focus them in and walking them through, of course, at an age appropriate way. And not only are you helping them to deal with the issue at hand, you are guiding them to, and this is the thing, whether I'm coaching parents or I'm coaching my own kids, what do we really want is to give people the tools, the skills to deal with the next problem. If I prescribe a solution through lecturing, then I might have solved or provided a little information on one issue, but I have not equipped you or equipped my kids with skills to deal with the next thing. And that's the power of coaching. So the, 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 the sum up point that came to me that um, I talked about this, I've talked about this before is kind of uh, questions rather than statements. Um, que question, you know, questions have a, have a question mark at the end of it. And, and that question, that question mark looks a bit like a hook and it, 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 uh, it, it pulls the answer stimulates the answer out of the the other person's the coachee if you like or the child or the whoever it is that you're having the conversation with so the coach asks the question the question ends with a question mark the, the that question pulls the answer out of the the other person's own head so it's their idea mm. rather than an exclamation mark which is trying to force the information to people Absolutely. And I, and I would add, often it starts with a question and then reflective listening statements help the person to continue towards processing. So tell me what you want. Tell me, tell me one idea that would help you. And then it begins um, that reflective listening. Also, they make a statement. So you want your professor to listen to you. And then you begin to, yes, or sometimes you reflect back something that someone said, when they hear it coming back out of your mouth, it's an opportunity for them to correct it or to, I, I think of a funnel or to bring a little bit more detail to it. We want people to correct us as we're reflectively listening because what we're doing is we're holding up a mirror for them to continue again to engage their brain and to get down to you know, more higher level thinking and, and problem solving. And like you said, when they come up with the solution, that's usually one that they're gonna be more willing to walk out because it's it was their idea and so that's the best, actually having a solution that someone's going to be willing to implement. Yeah. So people talk about that. That's interesting because people talk about him. Well, um, uh, I, I made him, this is usually, I've heard this at work, you know, I made him feel like it, I, I made him think that it, it was, that it, that it was his idea or I made him think that it, I made her think that it was her idea. Um, and I just, and when I hear that, I just thought, well, don't make them think that. Just 
get them to come up with their own idea. Yes. It it was their idea. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I, boy, when you said that I made him think or that I, ooh, I just thought yuck, (laughs) but (laughs) the back and forth of reflective listening. And and then, you know, what that made, the healthier version of that is a cooperation negotiation back and forth that is really is a legitimate part of the whole communication process of the, okay, this is what you think Um, here, consider this, you know, if you're working on something, you know, the, the example I, I used was perhaps a young person coming home with an issue that is their issue that they're dealing with. And then you're coaching them kind of through it. And then the other um, example that you brought in, maybe in a coworker situation, well, there's two people that are going to be impacted here. Maybe I'm impacted and you're impacted. And so we've got to hear one another out uh, accurately and effectively and, and the back and the forth of negotiation. Hey, you know, would you be willing to try this? Or what do you think about this and that? You know, that is part of healthy communication as well. We often tell people when it comes to that sort of a situation where, you know, it's two adults Um, or an adult and a child trying to work out a conflict or even just a a problem they both have uh, are impacted by this idea of speak up, listen and cooperate, Um, you know, voice your concern, your opinion, listen to the other person by reflecting back. We often have to say listening is not agreeing. It's just really trying to get an accurate view. So when I reflect back something you've said, I'm reflecting back so that I make sure and you you corroborate it that I've heard you accurately and I allow you to correct that. I'm not agreeing with what you've said yet. I'm simply making sure I have an accurate message and that that mirror that I'm holding up is accurate and then moving on to this cooperation um, of negotiation back and forth, offering, trying to find a win-win solution and often times trying to come up with short-term agreements like, okay, I'm not quite sure, you know, Simon, that I'm on board with that, but I'd be willing to try it for 30 days and see what happens. You know, this sounds like something you think is gonna solve this. So I, with this adjustment perhaps, um, I would be willing to try that for 30 days as long as we're committed to coming back and reevaluating it. So it's not like a, a life sentence, so to speak. Yeah. Great. Um, wow. We um, we started big and then we got, yeah, we got bigger, then we got smaller, and then we got bigger. Yeah, it was great. Um, I'm just conscious of time. Um, is there anything that you'd like to close off with? Well, the only thing I would say in recognition to, you know, what you've said and, and, and that I've been in this conversation, uh, growing understanding um, for, you know, over 13 years. And I am conscious of the fact that um, while I have tried to live this out, these are big, they're both big and really detailed um, points. And I guess my, my encouragement is that I would hope um, that people would hear this conversation and, and hear a couple things. There's always one small step you can make to build into the strength of yourself as an individual or family. Concentrate on one thing. I mean, I'm a mom uh, and a wife and an executive director and a friend and all of these different things. And and life is big and complicated. There's always um, things to pay attention to, things to fix, um, things to celebrate. That, That is life. And, and we'll never fully get it, um, but it is worth the effort. Uh, it's worth the effort to pay attention to ourselves. And maybe that's just what somebody needs to hear today that you're important. Yeah, you're a part of a system or a team or a family um, and and you as an individual are really important and pay attention to that. And, and I think in this season we've been in as a world, um, perhaps, that is the most important message that you need to pay attention to yourself and everybody wins when you do that. Um, when you pay attention to your own health and care 
And so maybe just pick one thing, listeners, out of this entire conversation um, that you would be willing to try. That's great. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, Kristen. That's been uh, that's been great. Thanks a lot, listeners. We will see you soon. And uh, check out the show notes uh, for and check out what what Kristen's doing. Yeah, um, there'll be a link in to her a um, website and social channels and stuff like that. So, thanks again. Thank you.